0: bringing relevant and engaging insights to human resource and talent development professionals. This is Talent Champions with Diana Thomas, sponsored by Franklin Covey. Here is your host, Diana Thomas. Welcome to another episode of Talent Champions. I'm Diana Thomas, and I'm honored to serve as your host. Today, we have another terrific episode planned for you. Our guest is Randolph Singh. Randolph is the former Senior Vice President of Finance at NES, Global Talent for the Americas. He's also the president of the Houston chapter of the Texas Diversity Council, which is part of the National Diversity Council that I've been involved with for the last decade. That's how our paths crossed and we got to know each other. Our topic today is leadership in challenging times, as well as creating an inclusive environment. So welcome, Randolph.
1: Hi, Diana. Thanks very much for having me on your podcast.
0: Yeah, no, I'm excited about just even our prep conversation. I think you've got so much that our audience will benefit from hearing about. Before we get into today's topic, how about if you just share a little bit about your background and what brought you to the role that you're in today?
1: Sure. So I've been in finance for 20 years, originally started at PwC in the UK, from there moved on to several multinationals, and have worked in the tech space, energy, and now in professional services. So in my current role, I lead the finance uh, function for NES global talent in the Americas. And I help to make sure our contractors are paid, our clients receive all the information they need. And as a leadership team, we can steer the business through all the things the world can throw at us, as we've seen with COVID-19, there's is, uh, is plenty there to to think about and manage when uh, when you're running a business.
0: Yeah. And so I mentioned in your intro that you've been the president of the Houston chapter of the Diversity Council, and that's how we got connected. I'm also part of the National Diversity Council that's over the, the separate chapters. And I found it so rewarding. And I think that's one of the things that clicked between us is our shared passion of just helping others grow. But leading a, a chapter is a lot. And that's a big, big group. Can you tell our audience more about why you did that? And you know, what do you get out of it?
1: So I've always been interested in helping others and helping others reach their full potential. I was able to go along to some of the council's events and see the impact they had on um, individuals and the community at large and through there got to know Dennis Kennedy and Dennis invited me to help and support the council at a more more practical level. That's how I got involved with the council and you're right, the the Texas Diversity Council and then the broader National Diversity Council, the great two organisations that have a huge impact on diversity and inclusion right across the US and and even further now, there's more initiatives being run internationally to to help spread that word. In terms of me personally, I really just enjoy helping others reach their full potential, be that in the workspace, running a large team and helping develop individuals, be that through volunteer activities like the Diversity Council, to support others. There's often things that you learn the hard way yourself through mistakes or challenges and being able to help others get the benefit of that learning such that their lives can be easier and and more successful. I I really appreciate and, and enjoy
0: and it's been interesting because one of the things we were talking about is, you know, our, our lives are busy. So, you know, for most of my life, I was full time corporate leader, had a family, but then still did a lot with volunteering and giving back. And so for me, having all of those different balls, you really forces you to be more organized, more efficient, use your time better.
1: Yeah, you're right The most people um, kind of volunteering often have you know a, a very full day job as well and it forces you to really think and prioritise. And I think that's probably the skill set that I've enhanced the most by taking on the additional opportunities within the work setting, be it the volunteer capacity, be it committing to support my wife and kids at different activities that they do. You realise that there aren't... Um, that many hours in the day and you have to be very deliberate about where you spend your time and how you prioritise. So I've used um, that skill through through my career and I think that's also helped me think through as a leader, how do I enable the people around me so that um, they have new opportunities and they're able to take on um, maybe tasks that if I wasn't quite so busy, I wouldn't have actively delegated to them. So I think being someone who looks out for others and volunteers with the council has also helped me in my my corporate world because it's enabled me to prioritize and delegate effectively.
0: I love that. And I think that's one thing as I'm coaching leaders, especially newer leaders, their ability to step away and give something. To you know, one of their employees or their team members, it's hard sometimes. And so, if you get a really full plate, it forces you. So maybe you know, overcommitting or doing a lot more will help with delegation. So uh, some fun, great advice. I know the other thing that we talked about was just networking and so many of the people we know have come through our networks and especially at the diversity councils. So for those individuals that don't have a strong network, getting out and volunteering, especially with nonprofit and interacting with other leaders from other organizations just can help you create contacts that will share information, be a thought partner for you in the future. Uh, who knows how they can help you or how you can help them. So I think that's another benefit of getting involved in nonprofit and, you know, helping yourself personally grow, but growing your circle of resources as well.
1: Yeah, totally agree. I wouldn't have had this opportunity today to talk to you and, and share some thoughts um, with your listeners without the council. And the, that's just a simple example of the power of the network. And I've learned so much through the different people I've met through the council um, and then being able to just pick up the phone and talk to them and say, I've got this challenge. How might you um, have approached that? Um, so huge power there within the network. Definitely agree. Yeah.
0: So kind of turning a little bit more towards, you know, the the world today. And we know things have shifted. We've talked about several things in the last several of our Talent Champion podcast. We've been working more Uh, remotely a little more isolated. Are there any elements that you would take with you as you or when we return back to more of a, a normal working environment, actually going into an office and, you know, interacting
1: with other people? That's a great question. I think with any change, you make changes almost subconsciously and then as things return back into a normal fold, you need to be deliberate about um, capturing the good and holding on to the good. I think through life in quarantine, things I've really enjoyed, spending some of the time that I would have been commuting and and spending more of that you know, with my family, be that you know, getting back and being able to do dinner, um, everyone together. And then the other aspects that I've enjoyed are the thinking time I work in a open plan um, office and there's a real buzz and energy from all of the team connecting but that can make it harder to um, really think through and balance items and create the time and a lot of that thinking time I used to have to do really in the evenings and um, outside of the work setting at the point that we go back to sort of more normal ways of working where we're regularly in um, an office setting I would probably look to hold maybe one day a week where I still work from home and use that time to like I say connect with the family uh, and um, use that time for some of that deep thinking um, that you should be doing as a leader and that's probably what I'll take away in the, in the new normal. No. I think that's an
0: excellent point. And it's one of the things as I coach executives and, and being a, an executive in the past, trying to find that time to be strategic and think things through can be hard. Because if you're in an office, like you said, either people are around you, or if you're sitting at a desk, and you have all of this information coming in, whether it's emails or people texting you, uh, and the most successful leaders take that time to think strategically. So, um, one tip is definitely, as a lesson learned, I heard you say is, you know, creating that space. And I also like that you touched on the work-life balance because I'm a huge supporter of you need to do things that fuel your soul and give you energy and jazz you up. And for most people, unless you acquired a family you didn't want, we picked, you know, uh, to be part of a community and part of a family, and that gives us energy and and being able to spend the time with them and be fully present and be able to then, you know, recover for some of the other stuff that's going on and go back to work and and do things, I think is wonderful. I love the story that you were telling me that, you know, you've enjoyed one of the things is just having lunch with your family. I mean, when do you get a chance to have lunch during the week with your family, but working at home, you gotta eat somewhere and they have to eat, right?
1: Exactly. And the first few weeks, I would be, just almost busy and not really eating and and then it sort of dawned on my wife and I and we said, right, let's set a lunch hour, let's all make sure we sync up and and that's worked out really well and I think that'll be one of the memories we take away from life in quarantine. Yeah,
0: and I love what you're also saying, you know, when your work day is over and the kids know, they're like, Daddy, are you done? You know, so you have that extra incentive to to stop when you can. <laughs>
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. We can all be caught up in our work and um, helping our teams and making sure that um, everything gets done in a timely fashion. And one of the, the pitfalls of that can be uh, not stopping you know, at a very deliberate point in the day and before you realise it, um, the evening's gone away. So I've, I've given my, my family permission to hold me accountable for stopping at the time that I've said... Um, occasionally, I bend those rules still, but uh, <laughs> I think uh, giving them the permission to hold me accountable has is, is definitely uh, helped my teenagers kind of knock on the door politely and say, hey, you said you're going to be done by now. And that's uh, that's huge from a family standpoint.
0: Yeah, no, I love mm. love that. So these are definitely challenging times that most people, business owners, leaders weren't prepared for. As a leader, how do you successfully lead companies and people through change and help them really adapt?
1: Change is really the only constant, I think, that um, most of us are now kind of getting used to, even pre-COVID-19, if we rewind the clock to to the good old days, there's still a lot of change. Technology is getting cheaper and cheaper, and therefore there's more things that we can do in a digital manner. And because of that, I think I've got used to dealing with change at a personal level as a business leader and as a finance professional. I think through that, there's three areas that I consider whenever there's a change, be that an unexpected change like COVID-19 or something maybe that we're planning for, like, say, a system upgrade. Um, Those three areas are people technology, and process. I guess let me go into each of those a little bit and you'll see what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, well, your audience are obviously very um, knowledgeable in this space, but I'll show you some of my thoughts from a people standpoint. I think communication is absolutely key. If you don't communicate about the change, then people feel that vacuum with their own thoughts you know what does this mean for my job how will um, this impact the way i work uh, so the communication is key and within that communication i think thinking about different ways to communicate we all learn in different styles we all take on things at a different pace so once a change is out there making sure you have a clear communication plan that is in different mechanisms. So for example, uh, an email, a video town hall, a cascade through your line manager, um, drop-in sessions for people to come and ask questions. There's various forms of communication can take for any any change. And through the COVID-19, particularly within the finance team, we've been using all of those mechanisms to help our finance folk uh, at NES stay connected but I think that, that can hold true throughout um, any change of reference. Yeah, And I
0: think one of the pieces yeah. that you mentioned that I just want to highlight is two-way communication, because I, I see companies and leaders that are putting together communication plans and staying in touch with their people. But it, I think if there's a way, especially I know it's more challenging virtually, is how do you get from your employees to the leaders, and that connection
1: is important too. Oh yeah, most definitely. As a leader, you're not able to connect with people on the ground dealing with things from a front line. Something that can look great on a PowerPoint or in a presentation can be detached from the reality of what people are facing. Or there may be something that's a bigger priority that should um, influence the next step. And being able to have that two-way communication is definitely, definitely key. And I think... Part of that two-way communication comes from being authentic and sharing who you are, what you believe in, what's important. And that overlaps a lot with the work that you and I both do in the, the d and space and being able to let people come to their roles in an open and authentic way. I think that creates the connection with your, with your team such that they trust you and are able to ask questions or raise concerns in a in a manner that enables a leader to to plot the right course. So I think people is is a huge part of any change and managing that and and preaching to the converted in your audience here because um, HR leaders know that. I think the other two areas that I'd like to touch on um, that can be overlooked, but are also important are the technology and the process side of things so from a technology standpoint we're walking around with um, supercomputers in our pocket these days and so if we implement a new tool um, which can be you know, easy to do because cost of digital is relatively low but you need that to fit in with what people are doing you need the people to then embrace that tool. You need the tool to be, you know, appropriate to the time. So I think the technology is a key part, and you can spend time in understanding the pain points and then addressing that by upgrading the relevant um, tools to d- deal with those pain points. And that can be through um, automation. That can be through uh, data, and then understanding. Where the problems come from so that's the tech piece and the final piece is process i'd say the the process is only as strong as kind of the weakest link in the chain and, and by process you need to make it clear that you know, when a given activity happens how does that get passed along the different members of the team how does that get processed through the the, the technology and such that you come out the other side um, and all three of those areas are important and all kind of interweave within the, the people bit that I referenced at the beginning, um, but that's how we tend to um, consider things um, when there is a change.
0: Yeah, and I, I think one of the strengths that you definitely bring, one, the financial understanding of how some of this comes together and, and the accountability But when people are planning for change, if they don't consider one aspect, so let's say we focus a lot on people because our people are very vocal and and we talk about, you know, our people first culture or whatever. We've got the right processes, but we don't have the technology. Things won't be successful. So I really like the holistic look of change in the three different components. Um, Do you have some examples where maybe you've seen or you've done this successfully in your company? or maybe where it's not been done, to help further highlight the importance of addressing all three?
1: Through the COVID-19 times, we relied heavily on paper and paper printing of of timesheets, particularly in the finance function. You can imagine how much you would rely on printing. And over the span of um, the last couple of years we have been doing more and more things in a digital manner and capturing things in a digital way. And what I'd found is with lots of digital tools, people had been trained around those digital tools, so we had the technology. We also had the process. Um, but different parts of the team came at that from a different perspective. Some were familiar with the old way of doing things, and it worked for them, so they wanted to carry on with you know, printing. Others uh, you know, were keen to embrace the digital side of things and jump to that quickly. What's happened with COVID-19 and everyone working remotely has forced the team to talk to each other and really embrace that uh, digital side of things much quicker than if we were still um, pushing ahead with that change just in an office environment. That That's one thing that I've certainly seen as a leader, that uh, where people understand the need for the change, you can speed up the change. So again, it kind of revolves back around people and people being such a key component of, of any change.
0: Keeping in mind all three components, and if something's not working, is going back and checking it. You talk about technology is not this scary thing that so many of us that are not technically as savvy or as um adventurous to to learn Uh, and i think that's where i see future leaders being the most um successful when it comes to technology is not being scared of it curious out there learning more things Is there one tip that you would give to our audience that if they're not, if their mind, in their mind, they're saying, but I'm not a technology person, is there something that they could do to, you know, start learning more or stay abreast of the changes? Because it just seems like, especially like I look at the HR, the learning space, it's constantly evolving.
1: Oh, yes, very much so. Technology in general is, is moving such a fast pace, and there's always something there. Um... I think the one area I would flag in the tech space for people to think about, particularly in HR and uh, leadership roles, is stepping back and thinking about the data that may be available. I'll give you an example. Um, A lot of people related items, people assume that there isn't anything from a data standpoint. Um, but actually these days doing a, an employee engagement survey uh, can be done you know, very easily through uh, web questions. Most companies already have a lot of that survey, uh, and if you don't, then setting one up from scratch is, is relatively easy to do. Um, if you already have a survey, being able to then step in and think, okay, we created that for a particular um, kind of piece, but if there's a challenge that's coming up or a change that's happening, is there information within that survey that can help us plan for for that change? Um, that's, that's one example. And then linking back to the diversity uh, piece, um, I think you'll find um, that unconscious bias is an area where uh, I was amazed that you can actually look at measuring the biases um, and you probably mentioned it in some of your um, previous conversations but the the harvard um, business school have a, uh, a test that you can do to uh, look at where a given individual may have a bias and you you go on and you see a video and then you you know, you react and the speed at which you choose your uh, your option that you're reacting is what the video is, is measuring uh, not necessarily which button you press but how quickly you press that and so that is a as a way that um a new tool has now enabled there to be data to help people to understand where their unconscious mind is is potentially biased in you know, one direction or another um, so i think in terms of new things data is for me the area of focus, because there are more and more uh, areas that have sensors or mechanisms in which you can deploy things like surveys to get data to help you um, make a decision as a, as a business leader.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's good. And it's not buying technology for technology, but it's what data do you need, or you need to be able to access. I think that's a great tip. And I love the piece you brought about, you know, diversity and inclusion. And understanding you know we all have some some biases our last guest dr glub was talking about unconscious biases get in the way of us making the best decisions and the more you kind of uncover that it's like we all have biases you know and and i'll talk to people it's like nope i'm you know i'm very open and i'm all about bring your whole self to work and but but we've been raised in different you know situations so we do things that you know we we're not even aware of, and I think it's such a fascinating area. And I encourage everybody to to maybe learn a little bit more. And We'll put a link to the information that uh, Randup just uh, referenced as well. Um, the other thing with this whole technology side, you know, there is so much knowledge out there, and people get energized, especially some of our younger generation. I you see as I talk to different leaders in different companies that they've really tapped into some of the knowledge and skills of their current workforce that they weren't using as they've had to move more virtually or access things differently because there are, are, are groups of people that just get energized and love doing it and want to do it kind of like as a hobby or in their spare time, you know? So they find it energizing instead of, for me, it's, you know, technology and me, uh, sometimes we have a draining relationship.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So cool. Um, So what should business owners be doing, you know, to ensure long term success, especially when you're responsible and have to be accountable for the financial part of a business?
1: So I think from a long term success standpoint, one of the absolute keys I've seen through my career is balancing short term with the long term. So a little bit like we're talking in our personal lives, how if you have 101 competing priorities, you've got to be very deliberate about where your focus is. I think as a business leader, you have to look at the short-term requirements. So what is it that has to get delivered today, this week? But also, what are the longer-term requirements? So what are the annual goals? What are the five-year plan? And what are those seeds that you have to start planting today to be able to harvest those in a year to five years from now. From a finance standpoint, we do a lot where we look at three-month forecasts, we go through and we look at of annual budget, but I also encourage um, businesses to think about their five-year view and put some numbers to it, So step back and say, okay, we're here today, we'd like to be twice the size, or we'd like to have Revenue from this particular sector five years from now, you can then start working backwards and saying, okay, what do you need to achieve to be able to hit that particular goal five years from now? Um, And that's a very key piece of that balance of short term versus long term. And I'd say it's different for different sectors and different businesses, but almost 20% of your activity today should be feeding into something that's going to pay off two, three years down the line. And um, that's difficult to get the right balance in that way, but uh, going through the exercise of what should the business look like five years from now can make you start thinking about the seeds that you need to plant today to um, reap, reap that fruit five years from now.
0: Leaders need to be thinking five years out. And it's easy, especially during challenging times, to just get focused on the here and now. But if you're not, like you said, at least devoting a portion of your time, your energy, your think time to, uh, you know, what's going to happen in the future and and how can you best be prepared, it's going to be challenging to make that a, a reality. You know, we've talked about people and how important it is that people are uh, use to their fullest function and bring their whole self to work and tap into their knowledge and feel appreciated and that they're engaged. Uh, one of the other things is having a vision. Um, so in your based on your perspective, you know, how integral is it that the team gets behind this longer term plan or the company vision or current mission? Can you give us a little bit about that topic?
1: Most definitely. Thank you. You used the phrase earlier around fuel for your soul, and that gives people energy. Um, Most people don't come to work just for a paycheck. If you're able to overlap the company's goals, company's dreams or vision of where the company's heading with the areas that are important to individuals, then the team will go above and beyond um, when they're um, trying to deliver on their particular role. So for me, the company's um, mission and also the, the values that a company has are critical to um, that broader success, being able to see individuals succeed in their roles because they'll be energised by their role when they can see the overlap with their own um, values that they have that's definitely a really key part of any lead leader's role.
0: I think every employee, if you have enough dialogue with them, you can find out what's important to them and you can help create that link. It may not necessarily be uh, apparent, black and white, you know, written down, but as you talk to them about how they grew up and what's important to them and their dreams of the future and what the company's trying to do, I think you find that intersection. And and it makes me sad sometimes that leaders haven't done that because we know when people feel aligned to a purpose that they'll work harder, they'll be more engaged, they'll put in a little more effort when things get challenging instead of just walking away when something else comes up that feels more aligned. So I, I never underestimate that with my leaders, and, and it sounds like you are a strong proponent of that, and that's what you've been doing. So some additional great advice for our audience. So maybe now what you could share... Uh, are there other tools and resources that you would suggest to our talent champions to create the best working environment or to be the most successful or to ki- consider everything as they're trying to be a little more agile and survive and thrive and lead at a higher level during these challenging times?
1: Obviously, you listeners are, are using the podcast medium and are familiar with podcasts One of my uh, favorite ones that I've found um, useful for understanding new technology and new ideas is our business um, review idea cast. That's great for snippets of the new technology that may be coming or the new business practice that may be coming and being able to consider that and the relevancy for your business. And then in addition to that, Um, The Texas Diversity Council and the National Diversity Council have um, materials on their websites and in the current times are doing a lot of virtual programs rather than in-person conferences and events. And those virtual programs have been very useful, um, particularly uh, dealing with sort of current-day topics such as uh, mental health, for example, would would definitely recommend both of those areas for, for your listeners.
0: Terrific resources. And this mental piece, I've been reading more and more about this, that, you know, people are lacking the social interaction and, and being able to talk through what's going on. And, and managers are, need to step up and, and look at that a little bit more and play a bigger role in helping their employees. So I think that mental piece and, and National Diversity Council, like you said, has great resources, and they have chapters all over the place. So you can see if there's a, a chapter that you could even connect with some people locally So I love this question, uh, because I just continue to learn more about people, is who is the one person from your past who's had the greatest impact or influence on you? And you wouldn't be where you are today without that person's influence.
1: I think the person that springs to mind for me uh, is a leader called Andrew Sunderman. Andrew is the CFO of direct energy. Direct energy is a gas and electric Uh, uh, supplier, and I had the um, honor and privilege to work with Andrew for for many years. Um, Andrew had an impact on me because he's a very bright guy, but it wasn't the intelligence that made him a successful leader. It was his focus on people. He was able to communicate with people at um, all, all levels and put the sort of people side of things at the centre of um, any decision-making or any change that was coming up. And I think I learned a lot from him of how he would, um, as you were saying earlier, listen to kind of everyone and be able to bring that input in um, to be able to formulate those decisions. So and Andrew's a great uh, leader and I've definitely learned a lot from him.
0: Yes, he sounds very impactful and and very similar to what to who you are and how you come across to others too. So, what final piece of advice do you have for our talent champions today?
1: I think I would just uh, reiterate earlier that that change is one of those things that is the uh, the only constant that we have, um, largely from the speed at which digital is um, taking hold and. Uh, the, the technology side of things but unless we bring people along with us then um, that that doesn't become successful and on the people side of things to touch on our conversation um, purpose and linking in with values and vision is so critical which you know the HR leaders here will, will hugely know uh, but in addition to that and communication in so many levels but uh, in two ways, so being able to um, hear back from the broader uh, team and and using that to then steer decision making as as leaders is a, a very key skill and and one that i'd encourage your listeners to um to to take hold of yeah,
0: terrific advice and i couldn't agree more with you is the talent champions the people that really live, uh, own talent within their organizations, whether that's somebody in an HR, L&D talent role, or just a leader, you know, that's even more passionate about their people and, and feels that responsibility. By bringing those people along, you will accomplish so much more. And I don't think their roles have ever been more critical than they are as we're going through this more challenging time. Because they are the advocate for their people. They need to be able to you know, be the conscious and, and bring up the things that people are feeling and access people and stay in touch. So some wonderful terrific advice. Um, the last thing is, how can our listeners get in touch with you or continue to learn from you?
1: I'm active on LinkedIn. So if you, if you look me up, Randip Singh on LinkedIn, uh, happy to, um, you know, receive connections and um, people can reach out and ask me any questions, any follow-ups from, from that. I would be happy to help. Wonderful. Well,
0: it's been such a pleasure. You're such uh, an open, approachable leader. I love, you know, your practicality of bringing, um, you know, things forward and thinking things through and really appreciate you making the time to share your, your expertise and talent with our audience.
1: Thanks very much for having me, John. It's been a real pleasure. Appreciate you.
0: And here's the summary of today's episode. While I don't advocate overloading yourself to the point of exhaustion, taking on extra responsibilities in volunteer positions can help you to learn to prioritize and delegate better. It helped Randup to realize that there are a limited number of hours in the day and forced him to be deliberate about where he spends his time. Being away from the office has helped many of us remember how important it is to make time for deep thinking. Creating that space as well as time to recharge your energy by doing the things you love is absolutely critical to long-term success. Bringing about successful change requires equal effort in three areas, people, technology, and process. People, two-way communication is key. If you don't communicate, people will fill the vacuum with their own thoughts, and that can become a significant derailing influence. People must understand the need for a change, and when they better understand that need, the faster the change can happen. Ensuring people have a way to ask questions and provide meaningful feedback is just as important as putting information out. Technology Any new technology needs to fit into the workflow of what people are already doing. You want them to embrace the tool. So it needs to be useful and address legitimate pain points. Process. Any process is only as strong as the weakest link in the chain. When you implement a new process, how does information get communicated to various team members? How does it work through the technology? It all needs to work together. Along with technology, think about the data that's available to you and what data may be important to collect going forward. In the talent space, there tends to be more data available than many people realize, and you can use that data to plan more effective change. When you create your long-term vision, Build in time to work towards it. RandUp recommends that about 20% of our activities today should be items that will pay off in two to three years. Considering how you want the business to look in five years will help you find the space to accomplish this. Remember to align everyone to that five-year vision. Find out what's important to your people. And you will begin to see ways that their passions and priorities can feed into the company's objectives. Our next episode, coming next month, will continue the conversation on a topic that Randolph touched on how leaders can let go and delegate in order to be more effective. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast player or join our email list to make sure that you don't miss an episode and that you receive bonus content from our guest. Thanks for listening to Talent Champions with Diana Thomas. Be sure to check out the full Franklin Covey Podcast Network by searching Franklin Covey on your favorite podcast provider.